Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, if you will. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at a number of verses in this chapter in the message this morning, but let's read the first two verses of 2 Timothy and the second chapter. Paul writes, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Leadership is such a key component in everything that God wants to accomplish. But today, leadership in our culture is being cast aside. Today, it seems like those in places of leadership are often discredited, oftentimes doubted. There is a great deal of skepticism, a great deal of criticism toward leadership today. Um, most often today, we read about leaders that are in some way uh, found in error, uh, some way found discredible, uh, some way found in some sort of inconsistency or hypocrisy. And so we begin to question leadership. We begin to doubt leadership. Just think for a minute, how do you view right now in your mind the president of the United States? How do you view members of Congress? What is your thought or spirit toward a Supreme Court justice? How do you view law enforcement? How do you view your pastor, your parents, your teachers? I think all of us would have to admit that our mind is sometimes swayed to think improperly or perhaps critically of those that God has allowed to be in leadership over our life. Now God, as he instituted some important pillars to our lives, establish those pillars with leadership. You think about the home, God's first institution. You think about government that came a few chapters later in the book of Genesis. You find the local church which came in the New Testament. Those three basic institutions or pillars of life all require leadership. A home is not going to be successful and produce the spirit that God wants it to produce without proper leadership. The church, the government cannot exist or function well and accomplish what God had intended them to accomplish without good leadership. Many of you this summer are going to step into positions of leadership. Some of you will be in local churches where you will be tasked with leading a Sunday school class or perhaps leading a bus route, perhaps helping in the youth department and perhaps leading a service or uh, leading an activity. 
Some of you will go to a camp and minister at a camp this summer. and You'll be required to take on some forms of leadership, whether it be here at Joshua Camp or whether it be at a, at a, at a, at a Christian camp across the country. You'll be given an opportunity to lead an activity or to lead a hike or, or to lead a service or to lead someone to the Lord. You'll be given an opportunity to lead. Some of you will be going on Jewish outreach. Some of you will be going to NBT. In all of these things that we do, some of you will go home and work a job, and in that job environment, you'll be given some opportunities for leadership. So how can we in this culture reverse the perception of leadership? There's a perception today that leadership is going to disappoint us. That leadership is somehow going to let us down. That leadership is somehow going to be hypocritical. It's not going to be genuine. It's not going to be consistent. We all have in our minds that we just can't trust leadership. So here we are going out into positions of leadership. Maybe we're not president of the United States. Maybe we're not the pastor of a church. We're not a parent yet. But we are stepping into roles of leadership that are preparing us for positions like that. How are we going to reverse this trend of thinking when it comes to leadership? Will our generation be another generation of disappointing leaders? As we step into those roles this summer, will young people at that church or that camp or that ministry be disappointed as they are in so many leaders they've seen before? If we're going to be the right kind of leaders, it's going to take God's grace, isn't it? We know in and of ourselves that we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be always consistent. We're not always going to be uh, uh, without some kind of of, uh, inconsistency. And so as Paul writes Timothy here, he says, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. If you're going to lead as a, as a dad one day, if you're going to lead as a pastor one day, if you're going to lead a youth group one day or, or a second grade class in a Christian school uh, to come to know truth and, 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 and walk with God, if you're going to lead anybody to Christ, you're going to have to have God's grace. So I believe in this chapter, the Apostle Paul gives Timothy three foundational pillars of effective leadership. The first pillar I see here is the pillar of examination. You see, we must look inwardly before we can lead outwardly. We must look first to ourselves. In verse 4, he says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. We must first look inwardly before we can lead outwardly. So what should we examine? As we look inwardly, what what do we examine about ourselves? Well, I think he gives us a couple of areas to examine in verse 15. He says, study, examine, study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If we're going to lead, we've got to first examine God's word. The only basis on which we can lead, the only real truth that we have in our back pocket, so to speak, is God's Word. And so we must examine the Word. 
what's your plan this summer when it comes to the faithful word these men just sang about a moment ago? We all believe this is God's word. We all believe this is truth. We all believe that this changes lives. We all believe that preaching this and teaching this is the only way we're going to reach this world. So what's your plan when it comes to this in the next four months? Do you have a plan? What are you going to read? Do you know? What are you going to memorize? Do you know? He who fails to plan plans to fail. We've got to examine. The first thing we must examine is the word of God. We must let it become a part of our life. You see, we're clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. If, if we're going to go through the summer and, and, and God's going to develop us into these leaders he wants us to be for our generation, but we don't take time for God's word, we're going to be another one of those inconsistent leaders that the world is going to continue to be disappointed in. The world is going to continue to be disappointed in churches and religion and preachers and teachers and all the rest if we don't take time to examine God's word. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The truth is I can't know my own heart. My heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? People say, well, I just, I'm just going to let my heart lead me. You're going down the wrong path. I'm just going to do what's in my heart. I'm just going to follow my heart. I'm just going to follow what I think. No, you're, you're going to end up a disaster. We can't know our own heart. This book is the discerner of our heart. When you look at your heart, when I look at my heart, we don't see what we're supposed to see. But God's word is a discerner, it's an uncoverer, it's a revealer, it's a bringer out to light of those things that are, in the, that are in the crevices and resources of my heart. I want to encourage you right now, this last week of school, I know you've got a lot of things on your plate, you've got a lot of things to accomplish in the next five or six days. But you need to sit down in some quadrant two time in the next few days and you need to think about, okay, what am I going to examine this summer in that book? Say, brother, gosh, my brain's fried. I, I, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of done with study for a while. I get that, I understand that, but you're clean through this book. You do err not knowing the scriptures. If we don't have a plan for this book this summer, come June, we're already going to be in a ditch. Spiritually, we're going to be off the road. So I want to encourage you right now to just think, okay, what is my plan? When am I going to read God's word this summer? Do I have a, do I have a time? Do I have a time in my mind where I'm going to, I'm going to get up at this time or I'm going, to, I'm going to use this time before I go to sleep at night or I'm going to use this break that I'm going to have maybe in the middle of the day. I'm going to find a, a time when I get to that camp or I get to that NBT or I get to that, that uh, Jewish outreach place or uh, I, I go home and work, whatever it is, I'm going to find a time when I can get with God and get in his word. Let me encourage you, once you get that time, pray before you read. We often think in terms of read your Bible and pray. Read your Bible and pray. Read your Bible and pray. There's a song that goes something like that. Read your Bible, pray every day. 
We often think of prayer following Bible reading. Let me encourage you to reverse that. Pray before you read. Because on our own, we can't understand this. With a finite brain, you cannot understand the infinite mind of God. It's impossible. These things are not understandable without the Spirit of God guiding you into that truth. That's why the Holy Spirit was given to us to guide us into truth. If you read this without that guide, it's just another academic subject. It's just another book. But if you ask the Holy Spirit to guide you into that truth, if you'll pray Psalm 119, verses 18 and 19, every morning before you read God's word, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. Ask God to open up his word to you. You'll be surprised. You may only have to read one verse for God to speak to your heart when the Holy Spirit's guiding you. You may not have to read chapter after chapter after chapter to get a message from God. When, when you say, God, would you please open up your word to me? Would you please guide me into the truth you want me to have for today? Pick a time to get into God's word. Pray before you read. Then read looking for the message. Don't just read to check a box. Don't just read to get it done. Don't just read to accomplish so many chapters or so many uh, books in, in, in the summer. But read looking for the message. We're to search for truth as we would search for silver, as we would search for gold. If you've been up in that north uh, building the last few days, it's a mess. <laughs> they're tearing it apart. They're, they're taking all our stuff out of there and moving it. And... Uh, we thought we had a maze of a mess before. It's, it's really a maze now. You've got to be pretty agile to get through the hallway up there. They're cleaning all that stuff out. You know, suppose I said this morning, I have a special announcement today. You know, when they laid the carpet in my office 25 years ago and I moved in there, I had a bunch of extra cash. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I didn't want to put it in the bank because there was no interest. I didn't want to buy any property or buy anything with it. I just had this cash. I had like... $100,000 in cash. And so I, I buried it under the carpet. I just laid it all out on the floor and I let them put the carpet on over it. And it's been there now for 25 years. It's in $100 bills, $100,000 worth. And I just want to announce today that now that everything's out of there, my office is completely bare, all the desk, everything's out of there. Anybody that wants to go up there after chapel and uh, try to rip up that carpet. You, you can have whatever you can find. What are you going to do second hour? Well, gosh, I have a class. No, you need a brain. If there's $100,000 up there, you're not going to go back to the dorm and change clothes first. You're not going to go try to find some tools. No, you, you, you girls have been growing those fingernails long enough. They'll work. I mean, you're going to go up there and search. You're going to start ripping into that carpet. It's mine if I can find it. You're going to rip that carpet apart. You're not going to bar any, any, any uh, energy. You're not going to hold back on anything. You're going to go after. Why? Because it's valuable. God says if you'll search for wisdom you'll, as you search for silver or search for gold, you'll find it. And so we got to have a time, we got to pray the Holy Spirit can guide us into the truth, then we've got to read looking for that message. Now, once we get the message, we need to pray again and do something with the message. 
what did God show you from the Bible? Did he show you a sin? Well, then now we need to confess that sin. Did he show you a step of obedience? Then now we need to ask God to give us the grace to take that step of obedience. Did, did, he, did he reveal that, that we need to make something right with a, with a brother or sister? Well, then we need to pray and ask God to give us the confidence and courage to go make that right. Whatever it is, maybe God showed us from the scripture that we need to be burdened for souls today and, and witness to somebody. We need to pray now for God's power, his Holy Spirit filling, that we might be able to reach that person he brings our way. Pray after you read and ask God now to help you to live that message. And then let me tell you fifthly, so get a time, pray before you read, read till you get the message, read searching for the message, pray and ask God to help you confirm the message in your heart, to live it, and then write it down. You ought to have a, you ought to have a journal this summer. You ought to have a journal. And I don't know what you'll keep in that journal. I, I keep several things in my journal. But one of the things I write in my journal every day is what God shows me from his word. Because then, tomorrow I can look to see if I actually lived what he showed me. Uh, I want to be able to go back and, and look, Lord, you showed me this yesterday. He's not going to show me new truth if I'm not obeying the old truth. So if God shows me something, I want to make sure I'm living that truth. So I, I want to write it down. I want to journal it. I'm not writing books. I'm not writing volumes of what God is showing me in, in the Bible. But I want to take a truth that God shows me from his word today, write it down in a journal, write it down somewhere, so that the next day I can look at that and say, God, man, I, I had that opportunity. I failed you. Or Lord, thank you for helping me keep that decision I made yesterday. Thank you for letting me confess that sin and get victory in that area yesterday. Help me again today to live for you. And so write it down. God will give you some wonderful things from his word. We've got to examine. It starts with examining God's word, but then we must, we must, we must examine the workman. He says in verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God. How well do you know yourself? You ever studied yourself? Do you know what your strengths are? Do you know what your weaknesses are? Do you know what your gifts are? Have you ever studied yourself? If we're going to be the kind of leaders that God can use, God told those in Luke chapter 4 and verse twenty. Three, he said, physician, heal thyself. In other words, we're not going to lead anybody to spiritual health if we ourselves are sick spiritually. Physician, heal thyself. He goes on here in, in verse 20, he says, In a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he should be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. We need to examine ourselves. We need to let God, the Holy Spirit, show us where those weaknesses are, where those, where those shortcomings are, where those sins are, where those weights are that are holding us back. And we need to, we need to work on those things. Take heed unto thyself, Paul told Timothy in chapter 4. Keep thyself pure. So we must lead by first examination. But then secondly, the second pillar that Paul gives to Timothy here when it comes to leadership that's effective, he says, lead by examination, but secondly, lead by example. 
In verse 22, he says, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender stripes. Whatever you want someone else to become, you must be. Whatever you want someone else to become, you have to be. Those children that you have the privilege of preaching to this summer in junior church, whatever you want them to become, you have to be. Those young people in that youth group that you're going to be around this summer or at camp or at NBT, whatever you want them to become, you have to be. You can preach the greatest sermons in the world. But people are watching more than they're listening. We've got to lead by example. I've got news for you. Nobody follows elitists. We have a country full of elitists. We have a lot of people that like to make rules that they don't have to follow. Nobody's interested in that. Nobody wants that kind of leadership. Well, look, let's bring it down to our level. No one, no one wants to follow somebody that says, read your Bible, but they don't. Go soul winning, but they don't. Pray, but they can't think of a prayer they've had answered in months. We've got to lead by example. Whatever you want people to become, you've got to be. Do you want people to obey laws? Well, then we have to obey laws. I'm talking about the way you drive. <laughs> I'm talking about being safe. Some of you, some of you are probably going to leave after graduation next Monday night. I hope you're thinking about being safe. We've never graduated at night before. We've never dismissed this campus at nine o'clock at night. Some of you are making plans. Boy, as soon as that's over, I'm heading for home. Great. That's good. But obey laws. Be safe. However you want other people to drive on that freeway that night, you better plan to drive that way. If you want other people to be awake, you better be awake. If you want people to follow you, you've got to lead by example. Do you want people to go to church? Okay, what's your plan on Sunday night? What's your plan this summer for the midweek service? Do you want people to respect property? Do you want people to be pure? Some of you don't have any idea who you're going to marry. That's okay. God knows who it is. You have no idea who you're going to marry. Do you want the people that know that person right now to treat them with respect? Guys, the, the lady that you're going to marry someday, do you want all the other guys in the world to keep their hands off of her? So why are you messing around with somebody else's wife? 
You gotta lead by example. Whatever you want everybody else to do, you've gotta be. If, if, if you want people to follow, you've got to be an example. Look, you can't pitch your tent towards Sodom and then expect your wife and kids to leave when you tell them to get out. It didn't work that way for Lot. Lot thought, well, I can live however I want to. I, I'm strong enough. I'm big enough. I'm Abraham's nephew. I, I, I'm spiritual enough. I don't know what he was thinking when he pitched his tent towards Sodom. But for months he had lived an example that his wife, his sons-in-law, and his daughters were following. And so all of a sudden Lot cries, wolf. <laughs> and they laughed him to scorn. If people follow you this summer, Will they be right with God? Will the people that are following you this summer, will they be godly? Will they be pure? Will they go to church? Will they win souls? Will they get prayer answered? Will they read their Bible? Will they be faithful? Paul could say yes. Paul could say, the people that are following me are faithful. People that are following me are obedient. People that are following me are doing right. That's why Paul could say, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Paul had no worries that if people lived exactly as he lived, they would be following Christ. Will you be able to say that in August when you come back? That the people that followed me this summer followed Christ because I followed Christ. When I was a junior in high school, I tried out for basketball and there were a lot of guys that tried out. And as I surveyed the, the team that first practice, I thought, boy, there's a lot of good guys here. Uh, we had a freshman team, my freshman year, sophomore team. We had a sophomore team. And, and uh, occasionally they'd bring a sophomore up to the varsity in those days, but rarely at our high school, mostly juniors and seniors on the varsity. They had a junior varsity team for rising sophomores that were looking potentially good and juniors that maybe weren't quite so good. They were on the junior varsity, but the varsity team was mostly juniors and seniors, almost always. That junior year, I looked around and I thought, you know, man, every year this gets tougher to make the team. And uh, there were cuts made after several practices and then more cuts. And, and we knew, the coach had said, we're only keeping 15 guys. And, uh, you know, as I looked around, I, I thought I was better than a couple of guys. I thought, I thought maybe on that team I was about number 13 in my evaluation. <laughs> but I wasn't sure if the coach agreed with me. But, boy, finally that last cut came, and I had I, made that team. And I was so excited. I knew I wasn't going to play much. In fact, I played a total of 33 seconds that year. Played 31 seconds in one game, two seconds in another game. Got touched the ball once. Went out of bounds after a game. I went and got it, gave back to the ref. That's the only time I touched the ball, whole season. So I, I, I knew I wasn't going to play much. We had a, we had a good team, All-American center named Bob Ops, and, and uh, they were, we were ranked seventh in the state of Wisconsin. We had a good team, but I knew that you know, I wasn't going to play much, but I was so thrilled to make that team. 
And I was excited to be, be under the coach Eli Krogan. He was a very successful coach there at Waterton High School for years. And, and uh, man, to play for him was just a dream come true. Now I remember that first practice after that last cut, he put us up in the bleachers and, and uh, we were given a playbook and we were given a uniform home and away and, and uh, we were given a schedule and all this kind of stuff. And, and I thought, man, I can't wait for Krogan to give us his first speech, you know, as a team. And he walked out of the locker room and he had a sheet of paper in his hand and he passed it out to each of us. And he said, before we talk basketball, he said, let me, talk to about, let, let me talk to you about you. And he read this poem. I wasn't expecting this. He read this poem. First night of practice. He read this poem. I looked it up the other day and made a copy of it. It's called Little Eyes Upon You. There are little eyes upon you. And they're watching night and day. There are little ears that quickly take in every word you say. There are little hands all eager to do anything you do. And a little boy who's dreaming of the day, he'll be like you. You're the little fellow's idol. You're the wisest of the wise. In his little mind about you, no suspicions ever rise. He believes in you devoutly, holds all you say and do. He will say and do in your way when he's grown up just like you. There's a wide-eyed little fella who believes you're always right and his eyes are always opened and he watches day and night. You're setting an example every day in all you do for the little boy who's waiting to grow up to be just like you. Now I remember he told us when you wear that uniform, Every kid in elementary school, junior high, and high school is following your example. So represent Watertown High School well. I wasn't expecting that the first night of practice. But I've never forgotten it. And as you are given opportunities to be on a team this summer, as you're given opportunities to go out as you graduate and, and join a church staff or a school staff or uh, you go out into the ministry in some way or fashion this summer, you're putting on the uniform of the Lord Jesus Christ, first of all, but of that local church, that ministry, NBT, Jewish Outreach, whatever it is, you're representing the Lord Jesus Christ through that ministry. And there are a lot of eyes on you. You've got to lead first by examination. You lead secondly by example. And then we lead thirdly by exhortation. In verse 24, Paul says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. You see the word teaching there. You see the word instructing there. You see, once we examine ourselves and once we determine that we're going to be the example we ought to be, now we have the platform to preach. Now we have the platform to teach. Now we have the platform to lead. Not until we examine ourselves, not until we live a life of example, do we have that privilege. 
A lot of people are given a title. A lot of people are given a, a position. A lot of people are put in a, in a place of leadership that aren't ready because they haven't taken this step of examination and example. And you will never have a platform that will allow you to exhort and lead others through a sermon or through a, a lesson or through counseling or through mentoring until you've established that platform through examination and example. But once you have that platform, now you can exhort others. Now you're in a position where someone will willingly follow. By the way, your authority to do that is not yourself. It's not your experience. It's not your wisdom. It's not your diploma. It's not your title. God's word is our authority. God's word that changed you as you examined it. God's word that changed you as you began to live it as an example. Now that word that examined you and that caused you to be that example of what God says, now that same word becomes your basis of exhortation. Now you can preach the word. Now you can teach with all long suffering and doctrine. A friend of mine that I graduated with from college was pastoring a church in Chicago. They had a mailbox out in front of their church and he could see it from his office. And he would, you know, in those early days of his ministry, he'd be watching that mailbox and see if some good things would come, you know. And, and uh, seems like he would always see the, the mail truck uh, pull up, you know, and the mailman would get out and he'd put some things in the box. And oftentimes he'd go out and he'd talk to the mailman. And he was a nice fellow and he began to witness to him. He began to talk to him about the Lord and give him tracts and, and so on. And this went on for months. The mailman was kind of, you know, nonchalant about it. Oh, you know, I'm not really into church and not really interested. And, and Jerry would keep inviting him to church. He'd, he'd keep talking about the Lord. He said, hey, you need to read that tract. You need to think about it. I'd love to talk to you sometime. Give me a call. We could have lunch. We could set up a time. And he just tried to be friendly, tried to encourage him and witness to him. And months went by. One day, he missed the mail truck, didn't see it pull in, but he looked at his watch, and it was after the time the mailman normally came, and so he went out to the mailbox, and sure enough, the mail was there, and he pulled it out, and as he was walking back to his office, he was kind of going through the mail as we usually do, and there in the middle of the stack of that mail was a pornographic magazine. He couldn't believe it. There it was in the middle of his mail, and he, he saw the cover of that pornographic magazine, and he, 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 he looked around like, what in the world? And he, and he quickly tried to, tried to do something with it, you know, and he, and he wasn't sure what to do. There was nobody really around, but he was concerned that somebody might be watching, you know, or something. And so he, he quickly ran over to the trash dumpster, and he, and he threw that magazine in that trash dumpster. He went to his office. He thought, what in the world? How did that get in my mail? I didn't. I didn't order anything like that, and no one would have ordered that for the church. And he, he didn't even look at the, the address or anything on the magazine. He, he was just too, too befuddled to do that. And he, he, just, he just threw it in the dumpster and, and went back to his office and, Lord, I don't know what that was, but, man, Lord, please, whoever did that or whatever, whatever that was, please don't let me think about that. A few minutes later, the phone rang. It was the mailman. He said, hey, can I talk to you? 
Pastor, sure. He said, well, I'm just down the block. He said, I'll, I'll come by. Pastor thought a little bit strange, but sure enough, pretty soon the mail truck pulled in. Mailman got out, came into the office. He said, uh, I put that magazine in your mail this morning. And I was sitting down the block watching to see what you do. He said, you proved something to me today. So tell me how to get saved. Because they believe in Christ. You see, when we first examine ourselves through God's word, and we live what God teaches us by example, then and only then do we have the right to stand up and exhort someone else to do the same. You will have countless opportunities this summer to lead people to Christ, to lead people to a closer walk with the Lord, to disciple Christians. If you will lead by examination, lead by example, and then you'll be able to lead through exhortation. Peter wanted to be a leader. I think Peter was a natural leader. And I believe Peter often would exert himself the way he did because he wanted to lead. He, he, he wanted to kind of take charge. He, he saw a need, took the lead. He was the kind of guy that, you know, just got into it. One day, Jesus, around a fire, said, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes. He said, no, Peter, do you, do you love me? Man, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Do you remember that each time Peter responded with an affirmative yes, Jesus said, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. You know why? Because people are sheep and they need leadership. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. This world out there has lost confidence in the shepherd. What are we going to do to change that perception? The next few months, give us that opportunity. What will you do with it?